Welcome to BNP Paribas Asset Management's Future Makers Podcasts. Today, BNP Paribas in-house sustainability experts Trevor Allen and Mark Lewis explain what transition bonds are versus green bonds. Hello, Mark. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, Trevor. Good to be here. So we're going to be talking about transition today. In particular, I think it's worth starting off with a definition. So a lot of people will be familiar with green bonds or green financing, and that is financing that is specifically geared towards industries that are already green, for example, the offshore wind farm. Transition is really about reaching out to industries that are brown, that need to transition, but do not necessarily have any prospects of being green tomorrow. So we're talking about cement, we're talking about agriculture, and we're talking about mining in that sense. These are industries that do need to reduce their carbon footprint, but are not going to be green in that sense. So this is the idea that we're creating this new asset class, transition bonds, to really be able to allocate capital towards these companies, lowering their carbon footprint. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think that that makes sense. We do need to distinguish clearly between uh, the sectors that can already move uh, quickly, the ones that certainly need pressure to move, and, and we have to keep the pressure on, on uh, all of those sectors you just mentioned to move, but we have to be uh, realistic as well and think about uh, providing finance that doesn't doesn't create confusion in the marketplace about what, what we're trying to do here because the risk of greenwashing is something we all want to avoid. And I think uh, for that reason, this is a, this is a useful distinction uh, in the nomenclature of the market. And I think the importance of transition as well helps to actually mitigate the risk of greenwashing. So we've seen in, in the news media several times, greenwashing is the idea that there is a green bond where the assets are not actually financing something that's going to be environmentally beneficial. Transition actually preserves the integrity of the green bond. But the important thing to remember with transition is you need some kind of science-based target or a metric there to actually identify how you're going to do that transition. The EU taxonomy is one positive step in that direction that has set out some very important science-based targets, for example, utilities generating no more than 100 grams of carbon per kilowatt hour of electricity generated. So it's important that if we don't have kind of a use of proceeds or a purely green industry, we need some other metric to measure this change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've now reached a point where uh, the rubber is hitting the road and we really need to be moving beyond uh, grand statements and gestures and really doing things that, that align uh, the most polluting sectors, all sectors ultimately, but the most polluting sectors uh, initially, um, with a Paris-compliant trajectory. It's one of the reasons, for example, that we on the asset management side are introducing a new coal policy from the 1st of January uh, next year, so essentially in a few weeks' time, where we're saying after uh, the 1st of January next year, we as BNP Paribas Asset Management will no longer be willing to hold in our portfolios uh, coal mining companies that derive more than 10% of their revenues from uh, from mining thermal coal and or uh, produce 1% of global coal, uh, coal pr- output. Uh, and on the power generation side, we're specifically linking to the International Energy Agency's uh, Paris compliant trajectory for the power generation sector in terms of uh, carbon intensity targets. So uh, this is a a very clear example of what you're talking about, making finance real and translating it into real decisions for real portfolios. That's fantastic news. And one of the issues we're really seeing now is we have a triangulation between corporate corporate governance in terms of the business activities 
government regulation and consumer behavior. And these are the three forces that are really going to kind of shape the economy going forward. We think it's important for the corporates to really kind of make a statement now why they still have some independence to kind of shape their futures in that sense. But it's interesting also that energy has actually, on the renewable side, become cheaper for corporates as well. So there's a natural transition for them even just economically for them to uptake. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been covering the energy industry for 25 years, and in particular in the European power sector. I've been an analyst following that sector for, for over 20 years. And the change in the last 10 years has been absolutely phenomenal. You've, you've got the cost of solar down globally from $400 a megawatt hour in 2010 to uh, below $50 a megawatt hour. So you're talking about an 80 to 90% reduction in 10 years in the cost of solar power. If you look at offshore wind today, you're seeing a, a very similar trajectory. Onshore wind has been very competitive for a long time uh, now. So I think uh, what you have, and, and you uh, referenced it yourself there, Trevor, what you really have is a feedback loop between policy technology and investors. And that feedback loop now is working at ever greater uh, speed and ever greater intensity because so societal pressure on the climate change side is pushing politicians to put more ambitious targets in place and investors are putting pressure on companies to align their business models. So I think this is a virtuous uh, feedback loop that is intensifying and accelerating all the time, but we can't let up the pressure. We have to keep pushing so that it accelerates even, even further in order to an, uh, align with the Paris, uh, Paris Agreement. Exactly, and uh, thankfully we are having some um, forward progress with there around the EU taxonomy, which is specifically designed to align to a one and a half degree scenario under the Paris Accord in that aspect. Right, and that's a, that's a very good example of how, again, I think it begins with the real economy. You know, if you look at the, the EU, uh, woo, uh, you know, 2007 put in place a 2020 targets for renewable energy, for carbon emissions reductions, for energy efficiency. Um, investors uh, started reallocating capital accordingly. And now we've got the EU, as you say, introducing a taxonomy for the financial sector. So this is, I think, a very, a very powerful development. But it also reflects... Uh, grassroots pressure or, or, or bottom-up pressure from the asset management industry because our clients on the asset management side are asking more and more probing questions around, well, what about you? Are you aligning your portfolios with the Paris Agreement? One thing that's coming up now on, on our radar screen very strongly, and I think it's going to be a, a very important theme for 2020, is uh, temperature alignment. You know, saying, let me, let me try and uh, allocate a... Uh, temperature to a portfolio. This is going to be a very, people like the simplicity of that idea. Uh, you can see the emotional appeal of that. Uh, I think the methodology is yet to be developed, but this is, this is where the industry is moving and this is the speed with which it's moving. You know, it's, it's really quite, quite incredible, but it's a, it's a very positive signal, I think. On the corporate side, we're seeing more and more demand to, for the corporates to actually understand what their investors want at the end of the day. And the corporates are increasingly designing frameworks that are aligning to a one and a half degree scenario or to the SDGs. So it's reassuring to, under, to actually see the corporates taking charge of their own destiny in this sense. This is uh, something very much that we've seen is not a trend. This is a door that we've gone through that we're not going to kind of walk back through from now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I sometimes get that question, is this a trend? 
uh, or is it is it for real? And uh, having lived through 10 years ago, the first wave of enthusiasm around uh, carbon markets, carbon pricing, and I guess the early stages of what we now call sustainable investing, I think what's different, different now is what we were discussing just a few moments ago, which is the economics of the green economy have moved so far in the last 10 years that this is going to be structural. I mean, it's so much easier to have a conversation around green finance today because the economics are there. You can justify investing in renewable energy without subsidies. So that, that changes the dynamics of this completely. It really means that this is a structural change. It's not a, a passing fad or fashion. Um, so I, I, I think uh, the companies that are laggards on this are really going to face a very big problem the longer they leave it to start thinking seriously about these issues. Absolutely. I think the decade from 2020 to 2030 is going to be the decade of transition now. And that's really what we're going to see is more and more momentum about companies understanding how they can, even if they're from brown industries, moving to be less brown and then hopefully green sometime in the future. Yeah, indeed. And um, again, it, it's all about this, this feedback loop because the policy pressure will only increase from here. We have the COP coming up uh, in Madrid starting next week. And then next year, we have uh, COP26 in Glasgow in the UK, where there's going to be a tremendous focus on sustainable finance uh, again. So um, all of this, I think, uh, feeds this uh, feedback loop. And um, that's why I don't think you can afford as an investor, as a corporate, as a policymaker, any longer to sit on the sidelines and, and wait to see. You've got to be active and you've got to be proactive and you've got to be, to use the phrase that we use on the asset management side, you've got to be a future maker rather than a future taker. That's, that's a brilliant phrase there. And COP26, as you said, is going to be incredibly important. It's going to be the first time we actually check in on the nationally determined contributions that were set five years ago. Right. I think one of the interesting developments could be in the next decade is actually transition bonds that you can then link to the nationally determined contributions, which put corporations then in line with the countries that are actually setting these goals as well. Yeah, indeed. And um, again, I mentioned earlier, the, the, there's this uh, growing trend towards um, aligning portfolios with with the Paris Agreement. And um, we at BMP, Paribas Asset Management, have a commitment to align all of our portfolios with the Paris Agreement by 2025. It's now a question of uh, really defining what exactly does that mean. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, one thing it very clearly means is you can't have coal in your portfolio any longer. And some of these other very carbon intensive sectors are going to come under scrutiny in a way they've they've not come under scrutiny before. And I would say, I think this is going to be a very interesting trend over the next uh, two to three years. Some of those sectors that don't have high scope one emissions of their own, to use uh, you know the technical term, but nonetheless have high carbon emissions within their value chain, they too are going to come under pressure. The food industry, the clothing industry, these are sectors that uh, consume a lot of energy within their supply chains, and there's going to be a lot of focus on corporate supply chains going forward. Absolutely, and I think that's kind of the missing piece that we're seeing now, is people understand kind of what the company that they engage with from an investor, what that company is doing, they don't necessarily understand what's going on behind the curtain, and that's going to be the next piece that really comes in. You were saying scope one, but really scope three is going to be the key to starting to understand how big of a carbon problem we actually have. Yeah, absolutely, and um, feeding into the same kind of growing awareness amongst society and amongst uh, investors is this notion of environment more broadly. So the climate change 
dimension to this is, is front and centre. But we will be tracking at BMP Paribas Asset Management, we're going to be tracking the environmental footprint of companies more broadly. So that means looking at water footprints. It means looking at um, what a company is doing to minimise waste. How proactive are they on uh, recycling? And biodiversity is going to be a big theme uh, going forward as well. And uh, we are doing a lot of work around the biodiversity footprints of uh, companies as well. So all of these things, as you said, Trevor, uh, far from going away, the pressure on these issues is only going to intensify and, and uh, corporates really need to be spending the time uh, to, to get these issues right. Because, you know, the potential cost in terms of reputation and in terms of fines going forward is, is only going to increase as well. And I think even in terms of trade relations in the future, right. All of these elements are going to start to play into that. We don't necessarily see it today, but certainly in the future, if you're not aligned to a Paris Accord, trade deals are going to become more difficult for countries that aren't necessarily aligned to a Paris Accord agreement. I think that's absolutely right. You know, I mean, uh, we're entering the era of uh, climate diplomacy. Uh, this this is is going to be a, a phrase we hear a lot more of going future going going forward, and I think uh, another phrase we're going to hear an awful lot about is uh, the social license to operate. You know, it's been used within the context of the um, fossil fuel industry now for some time, but there are some of these other industries that have very uh, intensive uh, environmental footprints in other areas. If you think of the textile industry or the clothing industry. The water footprint is horrendous on that industry. I think that's going to be a big area of focus. Deforestation, uh, what the food industry is doing to, um, uh, to compensate for that. You know, these kinds of issues are going to be the tough questions that investors uh, and financiers of all kinds are going to be asking of companies in the future. Well, Mark, it sounds like we have a lot of good work to do out there. So thank you very much for your time today and for being with us. It's been a pleasure, Trevor. Great catching up and uh, we should do this more often. Indeed. Thank you. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date. The securities mentioned are for information purposes only and should not be considered as an investment recommendation.